thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Good morning, everyone. Wow, suddenly became very loud. It's great, uh, great to be with you all. And... Uh, it's been a, a busy start to the year for us, sort of largely in the UK, although we've had the one trip into Poland, uh, which was a mixture of everything. So uh, one of our Ukrainian friends was getting married, so we had the opportunity to go and celebrate there. And, uh, and then I think... Uh, the, the other thing we did whilst we were there is we had a good jolly, so we had a day in Warsaw Old Town, which I recommend to anyone if you ever get the chance to go to Poland. And then on the uh, Sunday, it was preaching twice in the church across there, uh, City of Saints Church, which is largely Ukrainian-based congregation. Uh, that now are going into multiple services and planting churches across Poland. Uh, and it's great to know that even in the midst of great pain and great heartache, that there is a real move of God's Spirit across Ukraine. Uh, one of our friends has been really pioneering away for a number of years. You know, 20, 25 people. Uh, those of you who have ever planted churches know what it's like, hard work. And then what, what we've seen is this, is you know, just a, a move of God, where one Sunday he turned up and there were 90 people there. Uh, and the numbers have just remained you know, quite high. Uh, and we're hearing this all over Ukraine at the moment. People are seeking after God and a meeting God. And so let's keep praying for that move to continue. And then I've got a friend up in Nepal, Arjun Devkota, and he's seen about 2,000 people saved in the last six months. Uh, he goes to all the unreachable places. So he walks for miles for the privilege of sharing the gospel with people. And he's been seeing large numbers uh, getting saved over there. He's also been getting into trouble with the authorities because it's illegal to uh, preach the gospel in Nepal. And so uh, he's had one or two brushes with the authorities, but it doesn't stop him going forward with the gospel. And if you want to know more of what we're doing, I've brought a few of our newsletters, and they're over at the back there. And we've got a table with a few resources, and please come and have a chat with us afterwards, and uh, we'll try and flog you a resource. So, someone once referred to me as the Del Boy of the Christian world. So, 
Anyway, this morning we're going to preach, uh, I'm going to preach on the whole subject of Hannah. Uh, and we're going to look at Hannah and what a great godly woman Hannah was. Uh, and what I'm going to do, because most likely time doesn't fully permit me to go all the way through 1 Samuel 1, what I'm going to do is I'll just give you a quick pricey of what the story is about, and then we'll pick out six things that we can learn from Hannah's story. First thing that I want you to see is, is this. Uh, in, in the story, Hannah She's married to a guy called Elkanah. It's in the days where there is more than one husband, uh, more than one wife around. And so there's another wife called Paniah. Uh, Paniah, she is able to have children, no problem whatsoever. But for Hannah, Hannah really struggles to have a child. She just can't seem to conceive. And so you've got this extreme situation. Someone who can't seem to stop having babies and someone who can't seem to have a baby. And of course, Paniah's not particularly pleasant towards Hannah and she goads her, she provokes her, she reminds her of her barrenness uh, and she becomes a source of great irritation to Hannah. Hannah then goes to the Lord in prayer and we read that her prayer was such that uh, Eli, the priest, looks on and he, th he thinks she's drunk. Uh, because of the way in which she's praying. You know, it's not a, a, what I would call a tame, civilized, polite kind of prayer that she's praying. She's praying from the heart. It's an outpouring of the heart. And Eli speaks to her and he says this, your request has been granted by the Lord. And we read this, the following day she conceives. Uh, and that's not the end of the story. The, she then has another five children. But one of the big things in the story is this. When she's wanting a child, she says, Lord, if you give me one, I'll dedicate him to you. And of course, that's what we read at, at the end of chapter one. She dedicates Samuel, who becomes one of the great prophets in the nation of Israel, and, uh, you know, just a wonderful, wonderful story. But six things I want to bring out this morning. The first thing is this, she was irritated. I, I want to say this, not all irritation is bad irritation. You know, in our lives, you know, we need passionate irritation. We need an irritation that sometimes will unsettle us and will move us forward in life. I want to ask you the question, have you ever felt frustrated? Have you ever felt irritated? Have you ever felt, I, I, I just think there is more to what uh, God has got for me than what I'm seeing at the moment. And what it does on the inside of you, it stirs an irritation, a frustration, where you say something has got to change. I want to say this, that God doesn't want the status quo to remain. 
but God is a God of change. You know, one of the, the great mantras that went around the church a lot when I was in my younger years was this, that constant change is here to stay. I want to say this, our, our, our natural leaning as human beings is to lean into settling down, is to lean into being comfortable. But I want to say this, that the Holy Spirit is often active to stir us up, to provoke us, and that your provocation can be the means of you moving forward. You know, one of the well-known car companies, they have a particular mantra, and their mantra is this, you've got to hate something enough to change it. You know, all change comes out of passion. You know, it comes out of a place of saying, things have to change. We're in the process of building a maternity clinic over in Bursangui in Uganda. Uh, and that came out of us being provoked. We got to a place where we said, this cannot go on. This shouldn't be allowed. Something has got to change. And we started a process of change. I remember being involved in Albania in a building project there. The building project got stuck for about 10 years. Uh, and I remember going to, to back to Albania 10 years after it had reached a certain stage. And I walked in there and I saw no change whatsoever. I, I want to say this, I, I was polite and kind with people because we never take our frustration out on people. People are precious. But what we do is we've got to do something with our frustration. And I came back home and I said, I, I, I've had enough of this building being stuck at the same place. We're going to start to move it forward. And within two to three years, we had moved it forward to a place where it was closer to completion. I want to say this. We need to be people who allow things to get under our skin in order to bring change and transformation. Second thing she does is she turns to the Lord. You see, when you're in a place of frustration and irritation, it is really easy to take it out on people. I, I see it all the time in, in church situations. People get frustrated and then out of their frustration, you know, tensions build. And as tensions build, there's eventually an explosion an unreasonable behavior starts to take place. I want to say the solution to that is to know where to go with your frustration. Yeah, and Hannah, she goes to the Lord. She takes her pain. She takes her frustration. She seeks the Lord about it all. When I was a, a young man, uh, I knew the call of God was on my life, and yet there wasn't a single opportunity to get a, the message God had put in my heart out. Uh, I never had opportunities to, to preach. It, it was like every single 
door was shut. There was just incredible frustration on the inside of me. I knew a call. I had a vision. I had a gift within me. But there was no outlet for that. And I remember during that period... I I would go turn to the Lord with my frustration, sometimes with tears, sometimes banging, you know, the the wall or anything that was in in front of me that wasn't human. Uh, You know, just expressing that frustration to the Lord. And there were two things that I prayed at that particular time. The first thing was this. It was the verse of scripture where it says if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God in due season, he will exalt you. And I said, Lord, I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to believe that that you will have a time for me in my life. I want to encourage you today. If you feel there is no outlet for what God has put within you. Don't take it out on fellow believers. Don't take it out on the leaders. Go to the Lord in prayer and, and ask the Lord to do a work in your life. Because in due season, he'll exalt you. There, there is always a moment when it's your moment. There's always a time when it's your time. And we need to be people who know what it is to trust God with our lives. The second thing I used to pray was this, a verse of scripture where it says, a man's gift makes room for him. He'll even bring him before kings and queens. Well, I want to say this, I've never got before a king or a queen yet, but I have had some interesting conversations with politicians and government ministers around the world, uh, in, in particularly in different African countries. I think one of my favorite moments was arriving at Kinshasa Airport, absolute chaos and bedlam and noise surrounding me. And as I'm stood at the conveyor belt where all the luggage goes around, suddenly there's a tap on the shoulder and this smartly dressed gentleman there. And he says, I'm the minister of protocol for the uh, government of DRC. Is your name Mark Curtis? I said, it is. I thought, oh, this is worrying. Yeah. (laughs) I thought, I might be in trouble here. He said, will you come this way, sir? Uh, And there were a couple in the team, and they managed to tag on as well. And we were taken in to this little government office where he welcomed us to the nation, asked us what we would be doing, and then at the end of it said, will you pray for us and will you pray for our nation? You see, God will make a way. We need to know where to go with our frustrations. The third thing is this, that intercession sometimes has no words. (laughs) You see, she was moving her lips and there was no noise coming out. You know, so much so that when Eli looked on, he thought she was drunk. He thought she'd been on the bottle, but she hadn't been on the bottle. She was just so moved, so provoked. You you know, the prayer... 
Prayer is not civilized. Prayer is not polite. Prayer, prayer, prayer is a pouring out of our hearts. That's what prayer is. Sometimes it is tears. Sometimes it is groanings. You know, Romans 8 talks about groaning with groans that cannot be uttered. I've heard people say, well, that's speaking in tongues. If it was speaking in tongues, it would say speaking in tongues. It is groaning with groanings that cannot be uttered. Things sometimes too deep in our lives to be able to articulate through words. And all of that is intercession. I had a friend, he was church leader and sadly... His dad uh, had committed uh, child abuse and ended up getting into trouble and getting sent down. And I remember my friend really, really struggled with this. And one day he, he said to me, he said, you know, Mark, he said, I'm unable to pray. He says, it hurts so much and I'm so angry at what he's done. He said, I'm unable to pray. I said... Your pain, your tears, your anger. I said, all of that is prayer. I said, God is able to understand the thoughts. He's able to understand the deepest emotions that we can't even work out. He takes all of that and he realizes that is intercession. And he works together with that to bring about his will and his purpose in your life. And this morning, if you're struggling in life and you're thinking, I don't, can't pray, I want you to know, he knows, he understands. He reads you inside out because he's the one who put you together. The fourth thing, and this is the good news, God answered prayer. You know, I lo love the fact the, 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 you know, within a day of Eli speaking out the fact that the Lord had answered the prayer, that the prayer was answered. God is a God who answers prayer. Sometimes it might be immediate like that. Other times it might seem as though it takes a long time. I'm so glad that Scripture has the story of Daniel when he was interceding and the answer was on its way and yet we read that there was a conflict in heaven and that the answer seemed as though it was delayed but from God's side the answer was on the way. And for some of you today, it's a day to be encouraged that God answers prayer, that the answer is on the way, even if it seems delayed. You see, a delay is not a denial. Sometimes we think that delays are denials, that it's God shutting the door, that it's God saying no. But you know, Scripture reminds us time and time again to be persistent in our prayers, to be those who knock until the door is opened. 
I want to encourage you, just keep going. I want to encourage you from someone now who's got, quite, got more years behind me than what I've got in front of me. I want to encourage you with this. That sometimes it might take years, it might take decades, but God is a faithful God. And the things he has put within your heart, he will work with them and he will bring them to pass. And of course, God does over and above. She gets five more children. Wow, not just the one. That's so God, isn't it? Everything God does is over and above. He, he, he's not like a stingy, miserly God who just squeezes out enough of an answer to keep you happy, to keep you satisfied, but he's over and above. He's, he's over the top. He's extravagant. That is the God we worship today. And he does far more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. What's your imagination like today? You know, Jesus said we have to become like little children. Children are wonderful at imagination. They all have imaginary friends, don't they, little children? You know, and they're talking about this friend as though they're actually sat there. We, 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 we've all experienced that. And we become adult and we start to imagine. God wants to awaken our imagination. <laughs> wants us to be able to be those who can see things and then bring those unseen things in to the real world. fifth thing she does is she fulfills a vow see she doesn't just say well Lord I dedicate my child but she acts upon the promise that she makes and she delivers in dedicating Samuel to the Lord I remember a few years ago I was preaching in India and we were doing big open air Crusades saw 19 and a half thousand people saved in four days. So all kinds of incredible miracles taking place. We couldn't get enough people on the stage to tell their story because the queues were so so far. You know, couldn't get everyone on of the healings that took place. But my interpreter was a guy called Samuel. And his mother had wanted a baby. And she said, Lord, if you give me a baby, I'll dedicate him to you. And I asked just one thing, that he's able to interpret for foreign preachers when they come to our nation. If you've ever preached in another country, you know that your message stands or falls not on you, but on your interpreter. If you have a great interpreter, the message is brilliant. If you have a terrible interpreter, the message just falls apart. 
Samuel was most likely the best interpreter I've ever worked with. It was like he was anointed. I had some anointing. We put two anointings together, and it was like a double anointing. And he had this wonderful knack, because our northern sense of humor is different to other parts of the world. You, you know, we're dry, we're cynical, it's all in the eyes. It's all in the, the, the little sparkle in the eye. And he understood entirely the humor. And then he would take it and he would interpret it in such a way that the Indian crowd could understand that there was humor involved. You know, when we surrender, when we dedicate, when we give ourselves, God always does more. You see, I love the fact that a little boy comes with five loaves and two fishes and 5,000 people get fed. And that's what happens when we place things into the hands of Jesus. He works it all out and he works it out for good and for his purpose. I remember uh, years ago, we, we used to run a little house group in the church that was largely full of young people. And there was a, a guy who had a real dilemma in his life. There were two women that he, he, he'd fallen in love with, and he didn't know which one to have. And, uh, you know, there was the Bolton girl and there was the Welsh girl. Uh, and it was, do I go with the Bolton girl or do I go with the Welsh girl? And he was in absolute dilemma about it. And it was at the time there was a song that used to do the rounds called Something Beautiful, Something Good. And there was a wonderful line in it, all my confusion he understood. And so whenever we had a house group, every prayer meet, every time of prayer, he would burst into this song because of the line, all my confusion he understood. Ruined a perfectly decent song, actually. Because <laughs> you could never sing it with real faith and confidence because you're always thinking of this guy. But you know, the last line in the song is great. It says this, but he made something beautiful of my life. And in our confusion, and in our weakness, and in all the chaos that sometimes surrounds our lives, he is the one who comes and he makes something beautiful of our lives. With this, now I'll conclude. The sixth point is this, that the name Hannah means grace and favor. Two wonderful things to have in our lives. You know, the gospel we preach is a gospel of grace. It's not based on our effort, 
It's not based on what we can do. As one theologian put it this way, that Jesus did it all so we don't have to do. So many people in life struggling and striving to become when Jesus has done it all. And the power of grace is this. It is the power of receiving. You see, the new covenant that we're now a part of is a covenant of grace. The old covenant was about obeying and behaving. And if you obeyed and behaved, then blessing would come into your life. But in the new covenant, it is all about what Jesus did on the cross. And we simply believe. And as we believe, we simply receive. And it's as simple as that. And the favor bit, wow. God's for you. God believes in you. God's on your side. God has no disillusionment with you whatsoever. He is for you. You know, I meet so many people who struggle to believe that God is on their side. That God is for them. That God is wanting to work things out in their favor. But you know the key is this, as we surrender and as we give of ourselves. So he comes and he works things out in our favor. I'm now 60 years of age, at age 60, and you're meant to at that point all... Yeah, all, all, all be absolutely shocked. Yeah, you know, you only look 35, Mark. <laughs> but you know, at 60 years of age, what I've discovered is this. He will always do more than we can ask, think, or imagine. He works things out for our favor. I would never ever have chosen the journey I've been on. It's not been straightforward. At times not been easy. But I don't regret one single moment of it. Because I know that even in the difficult times, he's been working things all the time for my favor and for my good. And this morning, I want to encourage you. He's not finished with you. He's still working in you. And he's committed to finishing the work that he has started. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you this morning for Hannah. And we thank you, Lord, for the way in which you worked things out for her. And Lord, we just afresh surrender our lives to you. And we say, Lord, will you work out our today and will you work out our tomorrow? And Lord, we trust you 
to work things in our favour. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name. Amen.